This is Molly Hemingway of The Federalist. Join me, my husband Mark of Real Clear Investigations, Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod President Matt Harrison, and others for the 2023 Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org. Making the Case, June 16th and 17th in Chicago. Issuesetc.org. Deliver me. 
A reading from Matthew chapter 20. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pastoral work and life is characterized, that is to say it is marked and formed by service, as our Lord says in today's text. However, we have to explore a little bit of the question of what kind of service are we talking about. It is not just any sort of service that might be conceived of by the servant, nor even a service that is determined by the one being served, but rather the mark, form, and character of the service of ministry is that which is characterized, marked, and formed by Christ himself, by the service that he carried out, which he describes the work of the Son of Man, the suffering, the ransom, and finally the rising from the dead. Now this question is put into the context of authority, even though Jesus never actually tells the disciples, uses the word authority for their kind of leadership or for their kind of work. But nevertheless, it is put into that context because there's an argument about who will have authority. And Jesus contrasts the work, the authority, we might say, of the Christian, and particularly for the apostles, the minister, with that of the Gentiles. The Gentiles who scramble for authority, who determine who will have domination, who will be able to coerce and thereby exercise a self-imposed, a self-empowered authority over others. But that, of course, is not the way it is to be among the church, and it is not the way it is to be among the ministers. Even as they exercise authority, it is to be of a completely different kind. There is a shift here, then, that our Lord makes from authority to service. The one who would be great would be your servant. And what does the servant, par excellence, appear? How does he appear? What does he look like? He is one who took on flesh. He is one who was delivered over to the chief priests, one who was condemned to death and then handed over even to the Gentiles, the unholy Gentiles, the unholy nations, who then mocked, scourged, and crucified him and put him into a tomb. And in this way, this service became a ransom for many. In this way, this service actually accomplished more than any of the exertions of authority, than any of the exertions of domination or coercion that the Gentiles would try to carry out in their own midst. In this way, this accomplished more by saving and redeeming and propitiating the just wrath of God against the world. In this way, by not dominating, by not coercing, by not exercising a, a Gentile-like authority over the world, our Lord Jesus Christ actually redeems the world. He vindicates the world. He brings those of the world who will then believe in him into the presence of God so that the Father is reconciled. And so it is that in service, we see that truth and goodness and salvation are accomplished. This, then, is the character, the mark, the form 
of the ministry. So it is when the Augsburg Confession says that the authority of the minister is merely the authority of the word, that is to say, to forgive, to judge, to exclude the wicked from the Christian congregation, this word, this word of forgiveness, this word of judgment, this word of exclusion is not an empty theoretical word, but it is the communication of this ransom. It is the communication of this reconciliation. It is a living incarnate word, our Lord himself, who although he has been raised and exalted and stands before the Father ever interceding for us, he also remains with us and brings us to be members of his body. In this way, in the humiliation, he takes us into himself and bears us with him in his exaltation. It is in this way then that the word exercises authority and accomplishes still today in your ministries and in the ministries that you will carry out in the future among Christ's people. It is not an authority of domination, it is not an authority of coercion, and it is not even what we might imagine or speculate or the notions that we have about what service might appear to be based on what we think our needs are or what we think the needs of others are whom we are serving. It is rather a service committed to the truth of this ransom, a communication of this reconciliation, a proclamation of the goodness of our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. It is then in this way a service of compassion. And by compassion, this means coming to know, to understand, and to feel the needs of those whom you serve are. This is the work of the ministry to show compassion also as our Lord shows compassion. Now it is to be sure the case that as pastors you will speak a word that sometimes will be a word of rebuke. It will sometimes be a word of correction. It will sometimes be a word of exclusion of the wicked from the Christian congregation. But the determination of this exclusion, of this rebuke, of this exhortation, of this correction is always in accordance with the word that Christ himself speaks. It is not according to your imagination. It is according to the scriptures. It is only that according to the scriptures, the account of Christ's passion, the account of Christ's propitiation of the wrath of God that we are able to judge. And so make your judgments in view of this. How will your word serve the salvation of your people? How will your word bring to repentance those you are serving? True repentance, not just an encounter, not just a confrontation where you can proclaim a kind of judgment against them, but a kind of engagement, a kind of compassionate word, a word that is compassionate even if it is a word of rebuke. Will you hear what their need is? What do they need to hear so that they would 
truly come to repentance, that they would truly be sorrowful for their sin. To be sure, to actually cause the sorrow is the work of the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, as one marked and characterized by the service of Christ, it is your duty, it is your office, to act with the compassion that is exemplified by Christ. Secondly, what is the word that will bring consolation and assurance to your people? What is that word that when they realize their sin, when they are in repentance and sorrow over their sin, that realization that they are reconciled to the Father, that their sins have in fact been forgiven, that they are not there to try to give an account of themselves before their Father, but that their Father already loves them in His Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. In that man, in that Son of Man, a man like you, a man like your people, a man who has taken on their flesh and borne the penalty of their sin, a man who has communicated in his flesh to them the life that he has accomplished. That is the compassion that you also, as our Lord has shown, are to show and to demonstrate to your people. So it is that the word that you speak, to be sure, the only authority that you have is really a word that communicates Christ. And so it is in this way that this word of Christ, as you take it, as you meditate upon it, is also your consolation. It is your rebuke as well. Place yourself under the judgment of the word, but even more so recognize the reconciliation that comes in the presence of Christ, in the communication of Christ. It is never a coercion, it is never a domination, it is finally a mysterious act of the Holy Spirit to be sure connected to that word, connected to the body of Christ given, connected to the water in these very acts, the Holy Spirit acts. But he acts so that your people would be free he acts so that you would be free, not under domination, not under coercion, not acting anymore like a Gentile, but in service to that body of Christ, in service in the work of the ransom and the reconciliation that Christ has accomplished on behalf of the world. The Son of Man is not merely an example. It is not mostly an example. It is a characterization of the life in the church, a characterization, a mark to be delivered, to be condemned, to be mocked, to be killed, to suffer, but nevertheless then to be vindicated, to be justified by the Father, to rise again to life and to stand exalted before your Father. There, this Son of Man remains standing on your behalf, interceding on your behalf, and he has also brought you with him so that you, in freedom and in peace, would dwell in the household of God. To this Son of Man, to Christ, be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.
since you have wakened from death the shepherd of your sheep, grant us your Holy Spirit, that when we hear the voice of our shepherd, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O Heavenly Father, we bend the knee before you on behalf of all kings, princes, and governors of this world. By your inspiration, move them to rule in righteousness, to rejoice in peace, to shine in piety, and to labor for the well-being of the people committed to them, so that by their right government, all faithful people may live without disturbance in the knowledge of you and work without hindrance for your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks. 